0: hi welcome back to the united states presidency podcast my name is joseph malone and today we're going to be building on the foundation that we laid in the previous podcast episode um and and just looking at how the president um has grown into the leader as far as um influencing public opinion and as well as influencing uh certain legislative policies um Just as a broad overview, if we look at the presidency as it is today, we just analyzed the last three presidents, starting from President Barack Obama all the way to our our current President uh, Joe Biden, what we can see is that um, they all have had their uh, particular uh, political agenda that they've uh, campaigned on and uh, they had a campaign promise that, you know, when I become president, I'm going to do this. And we're gonna get this done, and this is the way the country is gonna look. This is the direction that we're gonna be going in. Um, and it's interesting to note um that the president was not always the front runner as far as the as as far as influencing policy. And what I mean by that is you know the constitution does vest into the president the, the, the authority to veto legislation and sign into um act certain you know legislation but um the 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 the, the um original uh the, the first few presidents were were very conservative in 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 us, utilizing this privilege and they 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 sided more so with the idea that congress uh, was vested the power by the Constitution to write laws and make laws. And so they mostly left up uh, the the uh, responsibility of writing laws and pushing uh, certain political agendas. They mostly left that up to the president. Um, to, I mean, they, <laughs> excuse me, they mostly left that up to Congress to uh, have that responsibility, have that burden and, and, and make those kinds of decisions. Um, but it's interesting to note that a lot of what a president will do in office has a lot to do with how he interprets the constitution in and of itself and this is very important when we're when we're looking at how the president has grown into um certain roles such as the party leader certain roles as uh you know the, the person who is pushing public policy and public opinion we have to look at how um certain presidents have viewed themselves um, and have viewed the constitution and have viewed them, themselves in that constitutional role. And so, um, when, when we first, when we take a look at Thomas Jefferson, because uh, Thomas Jefferson was really when things begin to ramp up and change as far as uh, the, uh, the a president being representative of the uh, entire populace, um, Thomas Jefferson was the first president to assume the role um, of the party leader. And so we think about today, if we contrast today, um, typically the president is the face of whichever political party he is affiliated with. So in the case of President Donald Trump, he was the face of the Republican Party for the four years that he was president. Um and some are he's still the face. <laughs> and uh you know, then President Joe Biden, he is now the face of the Democratic Party as he is the president of the United States. So typically um this kind of follows in that in that in that way and it and it has its roots um traced all the way back to uh Thomas Jefferson. So Thomas Jefferson, even though he assumed the role of party leader, what we have to understand that that it is very important to note about Thomas Jefferson is that he was not out, um, and I guess for lack of a better word, as flamboyant as we might think of um, in recent times how presidents have been as far as taking policy agendas and taking policy ideas directly to the American people. So Jefferson, he had the he had the perspective that because he was elected, we talked about this in the last podcast. Because he was elected at a national level, um, we talked about you know senators are elected at a state level, House members are erect, elected at a local level, and so the president is truly the only elected official who is like a true, um, a true representation of the entire country as a whole, and so Jefferson. He believed that it was his role to represent the the masses of the United States population at a federal level. And so his position was that, you know, whatever campaign ideas that he ran on, it was his responsibility to to get these things out to into Congress and to get these things signed into law. But he took a different perspective or, or, or a different take. Um, Than how we might think of uh, today uh, with uh, the most recent presidents and how they've advanced their policy agendas. So, yes, Thomas Jefferson was the party leader. He did assume that role, but he did not ever take his policy agendas directly to the American people. He never uh, was like an orator and got up on a stage or anything and said, hey, America. This is what I believe is the best thing for us. This is what I believe we should do. He never did that. That was not Thomas Jefferson. He believed that it was more so his role to act in the shadows behind Congress and let Congress, because remember, Congress was vested that power um, by the Constitution to write and create law. So he believed that that was more so Congress's um, avenue, but he would still work in the background, in the shadows um, to kind of get what he wanted, he didn't want to be, and maybe that could have just been uh, a testament of of Thomas Jefferson's character. Uh, he just didn't want to be that flamboyant person, that that person who was just out there and everybody knew who he was. He wanted to act more so in uh, in the shadows and kind of lead from behind, and so he was able to advance a lot of his agenda uh, through Congress in this way. Um, You know, it's kind of like, you know, there's there's multiple ways to skin a cat. Um, We think of presidents today. They're very flamboyant. He was able to do it, you know, kind of um, behind closed doors without people knowing. And I mean, the the result was the same. He got what uh, he felt the American people um, had vested in him to go into office to do. So, I mean and in through, through that lens of interpretation um i mean it it it's all really up to as far as um uh, style and 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 what you know what kind of suits you better so like i was saying i really do think that's kind of a testament um to uh thomas jefferson's uh character So as we get into talking about the growth of the president's role into the role of being that front runner, we talked about Jefferson and his kind of uh, backstage approach, but the, the role, as we understand it today has definitely grown to be very flamboyant and in, 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 uh, exotic in its presentation. And so when we, uh, when we have to analyze that role, we have to analyze the historical um, kind of context behind why that happened. And so at, at the root of, of, of why you, you started to see a growth in 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 the president in in that regard it it has much to do with the growth of the federal government in that regard as well um and so what what i mean by that is as the federal government expanded its responsibilities and it, it expanded its burdens and and so forth so did the executive branch as well so did the president's responsibility As well, so a a, a core fundamental at the at the heart of this discussion, um, as far as more government or less government, it it simply comes down to either you're a federalist or you're an anti-federalist, and so on one side of the spectrum, you have. A group of people who believes that there should be less government. You have a group of people who believe that the government ought to stay out of people's lives. You have a group of people who believes that the government needs to just facilitate basic um, liberties, uh, so far as uh, the right to uh, pursue happiness, um, the right to be free, just basic liberties. This is what one side of the spectrum believes, and then. On the other side of the spectrum, um, when we talk about more government, they believe that the government should be more involved in people's lives. The government should take on more responsibility and the government should do X, Y and Z for uh, its constituency. And if we analyze the political landscape today, I mean, that's that's at the at the heart of uh, the the divide between this country is it it, is really just simply. More government, less government. You got one side who believes in less government. You got one side who believes in more government. Um, and so, I think that the 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 impasse that needs to be met is there. There needs to be a, a medium met in in between those two extremes. Um, so, as the government began to expand its role, the federal government begins to expand its role. So did the presidency. And so getting back to what we were talking about, how a how a president um, interprets the Constitution, um, when we look at the presidency of Andrew Jackson, what we will see is Andrew Jackson had a very, uh, very interesting take on his not only the Constitution, but also his constitutional role um within uh the, the the presidency. And so, Andrew Jackson was a very atypical president. Um I would compare Andrew Jackson to um the modern day um President Donald Trump. And I and I say that because, you know, if you look at President Donald Trump, President Donald Trump had no f- uh formal uh background in politics, he had no formal background in law. Uh generally uh, most politicians have a background in law. Um Have a background in uh, some kind of jurisprudence or uh, history, political science, uh, something of that nature. And you know, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, was just you know simply a businessman his entire life. And so, um, in in a like manner, Andrew Jackson had no uh, formal education in jurisprudence. He had no formal education in political science, history, um, none of these philosophy, none of these things um but he did ro- rise to the uh national stage and he ended up becoming a president. Andrew Jackson was primarily just a uh at the time a, a frontiersman. He came from a small town um and he, and he kind of just he 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 was able to appeal to the masses of America um by being just a very uh blunt and 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 just very uh overt overtly uh, hostile uh, person and so what I, what I mean by that is that he just had no issue with uh, being a butthole he had no issue with disagreeing he had no issue with with causing the stirrup with causing uh, friction um, and he actually throve on that uh, and he actually uh, truly did truly did enjoy that and we, we saw that in his presidency um, he was one of the first presidents to seriously um, abuse the, the the power to veto, and he used he used the veto power in such a way that it was kind of like if, if you didn't do what I wanted to do, it wasn't even about the, what the what the American people might have felt was was necessary. It was about what Andrew Jackson wanted. So if Andrew Jackson did not get what he wanted in Congress, he would veto the legislation. Despite whether it was good legislation or bad legislation, he would veto it just because it wasn't what he wanted. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, if we kind of think about a president that we just talked about. Uh, we can see some similarities in uh, the, the, the behaviors that were exhibited um, in office. Um, but but nonetheless, President Andrew Jackson, he saw his position as president as not only a a, a, a not only as a representation of the American people, because he kind of took Thomas Jefferson's philosophy as, hey, I was elected at the national level. I am the true representation of the American people. He took that a step further And he said that, okay, screw Congress because you guys aren't going to do what I want to do. I'm going to take my issues directly to the American people. And this was something that had never been done before. So you got to imagine at the time... You know, this is this is a, an extreme like um, break away from like the, the traditions and the formalities that have been set um, by the presidents who came before him. No president had ever taken a political issue directly to the American people. Andrew Jackson was the first president to do that. And so Andrew Jackson sincerely believed that because he could not get Congress to side with what he wanted, he believed that okay, it was time for the American people, the people who elected me, it was time for them to decide what they wanted. And so this was this is this is at the core of uh, Andrew Jackson's presidency is 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 at the core of why we see the presidency as it is today as, as the leader in influencing public policy and opinion. Um, Because now we look at presidents and, you know, they just go straight to the American people. They might get on a podium and talk or they might go on a news station and talk. This this, this, is a this is a normal thing, but it was not always it was not always normal. And Andrew Jackson kind of broke that mold and made um, taking issues um, to the American people something that was um, normal. And so now, I, I really think that the question at this point um, has to become: Is what was Andrew Jackson's um, over? Did, did did he overstep his boundaries? Um, and in 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 looking at a hindsight's view, um, has what Andrew Jackson done? Has the president as the has the president that he has said has it hurt the ability of the federal government to be effective, um, and and to answer that question, um, I think that Andrew Jackson and his, and and him making making the step to take policy directly to the American people, I I, I sincerely think that that was a mistake on his behalf. But understanding Andrew Jackson's character. I can understand why he did it, but looking through a lens of like hindsight and and looking at how um, polarized things have become, uh, it it was definitely a mistake on Andrew Jackson. I'm pretty sure he could have never foresaw what would would happen, Um, but it was a mistake on Andrew Jackson's um, behalf because Congress, constitutionally, Congress. Is the one in, who is explicitly given the responsibility um, by the Constitution to write and create laws. It, it, it says it very explicitly like that. They are Congress has been vested the power to write and create laws. So when we think about that responsibility that was given to Congress to write and create laws, Congress ultimately has the the the, the largest constitutional authority to influence or they're supposed to have the largest constitutional authority to influence policy because that is what was vested in them by the constitution. And I and I believe that um con, I, I believe that the framers considered that um primarily because if you think about it your senators are elected at a state level, your house members are elected at a local level. So they're gonna be more in touch with what the people may need uh, more so than somebody who's elected at a national level, um, and not, and that's not to say that somebody who's elected at a national level is not going to be in touch with what the people, uh, the, his constituency desires. Uh, but you can you can narrow in and focus a lot more uh, on, a lo- on a on a state level and a local level than you can on a federal level. Uh, so, uh, I, I I think that. You know, the respect for I think the respect should have been maintained uh, for Congress to write and create laws. If you think about the executive branch, what the executive, what that means, the executive branch means that you are simply to execute. The, The root of that word is to to execute. And so his job isn't so much to worry about writing and creating his job. As the president, ideally, um, through that through that use of language ought to be to execute the laws that Congress and, um, you know, the, the Senate and the House have 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 created his, 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 his job isn't so much to push or, or, or shouldn't be so much to to push policy agendas, because that's not ideally what he's there for. He's, he, he, he ideally is there to execute. Just based on the on the root of that word, Um, and so it's interesting because we look at the presidency today, and I and I think a great example to analyze uh, today is you look at the president um, of Donald Trump, and you you look at the presidency of uh, Joe Biden, and what we see is that there are laws that Congress has created. There are laws um that are written and have been established but the the executive the president kind of picks and chooses the laws that he wants to enforce and the laws that he's not going to enforce and he kind of wants to write executive orders um to override Uh, laws that he may or may not disagree with and see that's that's the that's the limitations of executive authority is that you cannot just override you cannot just write an executive order to override what Congress has written into 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 legislation Um, and so you know I, I think that by the president um becoming the influencer of public policy and opinion it has blurred the lines um as far as his ability to execute um because if, if you're worried about pushing an agenda you can't you can't be worried about pushing an agenda and then also be worried about executing those those are two um two two totally different uh concepts ideas and actions and so um I I think that that's that that's a that's something to, to 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 consider um when you think about the ineffectiveness of the entire federal government because the entire federal government if you ask if if you're asking my opinion is kind of not operating the only the only entity that is operating as it ought to operate is the judicial branch and that is because if you think about the judicial ju- ju- the judicial branch and their job primarily is to just interpret the law and say that if it's constitutional or not um they they they're still um, performing primarily how the framers intended and there's been some things that have been going on where that might become a bit blurry um because you have um, people in the other two chambers who want to change the law and add more, they want to pack the court and this and that. So the judicial branch, as it stands today, is it still operating as it should. But the other two branches, they have blurred the lines too much as far as their responsibility goes, and so that's why you see the, the large, the large ineffectiveness across those two branches because what Congress ought to be doing they're not doing and what the president ought to be doing he's not doing and so you have a huge uh disconnect and what you get is 4 years of ineffectiveness 4 years or 8 years rather if you, if you are elected to two terms of a of a very ineffective uh government so um in in, in closing i do uh, sincerely hope that this a podcast was able to help you kind of understand why the presidency, uh, why the president has become that leader in influencing policy and influencing public opinion. Um, it was not always like this. In fact, um, you know, we talked about the the first presidents, they did not believe that it was their responsibility to take on that burden. Um, and they believe that, you know, because con- the the framers vested into Congress the, 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 the right to write and create laws, that that responsibility ought to be left with them. Um, but we saw a shift when Andrew Jackson became president and Andrew Jackson said, I'm taking my stuff directly to the American people. I don't care what Congress says. I want to get what I want to get done. And it's going to get done. <laughs> and so, ever since Andrew Jackson, we have seen um, presidents um, growing and growing and growing in that regard. And so, it it, it kind of happens um, throughout history, as we and we'll see in later podcasts, um, that the, the 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 responsibility of the presidency and the pro, the responsibility of the federal government throughout history really expands and contracts. Um, because there are actually times as we we continue to go on into this podcast where Congress actually begins to assume more authority, um, than the president and the president becomes like a little shrimp and he can't do anything. Um, and then there's times where it seems like the president has like way too much power and Congress just doesn't have any power at all. Um, so it it really expands and contracts throughout history, and it's going to be very interesting to get into those topics as we continue to progress in this podcast. Um, so, thank you guys for listening today, and my name is Joseph Malone. Until the next time, bye bye.